Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The reality we live in can be a very strange place. Most of the time, fact being stranger than fiction. How will we ever start to understand this reality we live in unless we question everything? Join me and a guest as we unravel the mysteries of this reality one topic at a time. This is Inquiries of Our Reality with Shane Jones. Hey guys, and welcome to yet another fascinating episode of Inquiries of Our Reality. Number 95, actually. Almost to 100. Five more episodes, guys, and then I've reached the triple digits. So that's a that's definitely a mile marker that I'm going to have to do something special for. So uh, keep your eyes and ears out for that. Today I have a very fascinating interview for you guys with a woman only known as the Demon Seer. But before we get into that, I'm going to try to run through this front of house stuff as fast as I possibly can. Uh, if you guys don't mind reviewing or sharing the show, uh, definitely appreciate it. You can review on Spotify or iTunes. Uh, if you're not already following on social media, um, the most active one is Instagram. So definitely go and uh, follow the show on that. Uh, there also is a Telegram and a Discord server. So, you know, pop in there, come have an awesome conversation. And I uh, can't wait to hear from you guys. Uh, if you guys aren't checking out the other shows that I do, uh, come and check out Bizarre Encounters slash Bite Size Bizarties. Uh, I do have a new co-host on that, um, Oren from uh, Framework UFO Research Center. So uh, definitely go and uh, check out what we got going on over there. A little bit of a different feel uh, now that, unfortunately, Ghost has left that show, trying to focus on his own solo show. But that's totally okay. So, you know, we're, we're going to keep chugging along. We're going to keep doing what we do. And, uh, you know, if you want to support the show, you can definitely come and do that over on Patreon. There you'll get uh, live access to shows. You'll get early access to shows. Um, I'm trying to restructure and build it up. Uh, I did have some tiers on there recently, and yeah, I don't know. I- I'm going to try to restructure it and do it a little bit different for you guys. So, you know, keep your eyes and ears out over there. Uh, if you want to donate to the show through Venmo, Cash App, PayPal, um, have all of those set up. The links for those are also down in the description bar. Um if you want to go and get yourself some awesome merch, anything Open Minds Media related, be it this show, Open Minds Media itself, but it says Bizarreties, Bizarre Encounters, uh, you can definitely go and check out the Open Minds Media merch store. Um, recently updated the designs now where they have uh, Oren included on the uh, Bite Size Bizarreties and the Bizarre Encounters shirts. So, you know, go and get yourself some updated stuff. Uh, and if you do happen to get any shirts from the store, please, please, please send me a picture of you wearing them and I would love to post them on the page. If you don't want your face, you know, I could stick a sticker over it, like whatever, but I would definitely love to get some pictures on there of some people wearing some of the merch. And also included with that, if anybody leaves uh, any awesome, nice reviews, you know, I'm not, not going to read anything bad on the show, preferably. But, uh, you know, I definitely would love to give you a shout out on the show and read your reviews on the show. So, you know, if you don't mind doing that, I would definitely appreciate it. Um, 
Crypto Theology. I know I talk about it on almost every show, this one and Bizarre Encounters, but if you're not already going and checking that out, please, please, please go check out the awesome work that Joe's doing over at Crypto Theology. Uh, he's got some new designs. He recently added some Hodag designs. Uh, There's a Men in Black one and a couple other ones. So definitely go and check that out. And I'm sure soon enough, you'll be seeing some pictures of me on the Instagram wearing some of those shirts because I do like to post when I do wear Joe's shirts. Um, all of that said, everything that I've mentioned, all available under the link tree, trying to make it quick and easy. So with that being said, welcome to the show, June Lundgren, Demon Seer. How is it going today? It's doing, I'm doing good. It's, it's coming up on Wednesday, my day off from work. <laughs> Always a plus. And, uh, I've uh, heard you bounce around on a few shows and uh, just everything that you're doing just is uh, so fascinating to me. So I would love to uh, get into it and break apart every little component of it and uh, give people a full view of everything that you do and everything that you experience because we were, we were talking a little bit before the show and as soon as you start talking, I'm just instantly enticed by it. So without further ado, I'd like to uh, get into just the beginning of where everything started at. So I guess going back to the youngest spot... Um, I get you referred to as as the demon seer. So I guess a good spot to start would be to uh, break down what exactly it means to be a demon seer, and uh, when exactly these gifts started for you. Well, demon seer comes from the old country, from Ireland. Uh, when I started doing removals and dealing with the demons head on, I didn't like the term demonologist. You know, a demonologist is someone who studies demons. I don't study them. I deal with them. I, I kill them. So my grandmother said, well, why don't you call yourself what we call you in Ireland, a demon seer? And I'm like, okay, because you can see, hear, and remove demons and unfortunately communicate with them. So, so I, was, I was four and a half when I started seeing demons in their true form. Until then, I saw them as most humans do, as like a black mass or a shadowy figure. But Michael, the archangel, he said, we had to wait until your brain was evolved enough to understand what you were seeing and to not be fearful of it. So that's when I started seeing them differently. And he said, you see them through the eyes of an angel. You see them as we see them. They cannot hide their true form from you. And you're five, you're like, oh, okay. He says, I have a job for you. He says, I want you to watch them. I want you to learn how they work and see what they do. He says, you'll need it later in life. And, you know, you're a kid. You're like, okay, cool, whatever. You know, and uh, my grandmother told me after she crossed that there was a, a family uh, legacy, a family prophecy that was handed down from the 14th century and she said that the prophecy was that a child female child would be born who had the ability to communicate with demons and to see them in their true form and to be able to kill them and she knew when she saw me as a baby that that was who I was who and what I was so I was dumped off on my grandmother by my mother and so my grandmother started training me, started helping me to understand things. Even from the time of a, being a baby, you know, the animals would sit under my crib and the spirits would come to me. And she knew I was communicating with the animals as well as communicating with the spirits. 
but Michael always protected me against anything that was negative. He said, I will hide you from their, from their sight so that they can't see you until you're strong enough to be able to deal with them. So was it like, uh, like he almost put like a, like a blocker, so to speak, so that uh, they couldn't see you, but you could see them? And then going yeah, back they, to your yeah, grandma, she uh, she had experience with it, but assumably she didn't have the gift in the same way as you, or she could uh, like physically see him the same way you did, but she could you know maybe feel him or sense yeah. him. Yeah, well, she could sense them. Uh, she's never been a- she was never able to see them. She's a, a psychic medium, but she was never able to see the demons. She could see the angels. She was never able to see the demons. But she taught me what she could, you know, and the rest I learned from Michael. So also when it comes to uh, like physically seeing them, you said that you see them in their true form and uh, they would project whatever people would fear, of course, to kind of be like the standard image that people see. So assumably, like if three different people also have the same demon, would it look different to all three of those different people? Oh, yeah. yeah, because they reach into your mind and they find your image of what they should look like, your idea of what they should look like, and they magnify that a hundredfold. So, you know, one person could see, you know, a pot-bellied pig, another person could see a, a devil with horns, another one would see half goat, half man, you know. it, And each one would swear that they're seeing the demon, but they see it in a different way. So, um, like, the, do they not have the ability to, like, dig into your head that way because of, uh, you know, your angelic protection? So, like, they wouldn't even be able to have that ability to do that to you, even if they wanted to? Yeah, and they've tried it, but it don't make no difference because I can see them in the true way. They, you know, they can't hide from me like they can hide from most humans, I'm 99% of humans, but it's... And I don't fear them. You can't fear them it, because it's a weakness. And if they know that you fear them, they'll use it against you. You know, you'll never get anywhere. I've, I've never been afraid of them. And I think that's just some inner instinct. Even when I went to the other side and came back and Michael says, this is what you're going to be doing. You're, gonna, you're supposed to be doing the, the job of killing the demons. And I asked him, I said, you know, these guys can hurt, these guys can hurt my butt. <laughs> and he, <laughs> and he, he's like, he's like, no, they can't because they don't want to be anywhere near you. Because when Ariel comes forward, they're like, let me out of here. So uh, when, when they actually get like, uh, like killed, uh, like where would where would the demons go? Does the, do they completely just like disintegrate into nothing, or do they get sent to like a different realm, or like yeah, you know what no, happens to them afterwards? They, they cease to exist. They cease to exist when when Ariel slices through them with her white light sword. Um, they cease to exist. I I've seen it time and time again where they she slices through them and they turn into like sand molecules that are spread among the stars. When we when we die, we can come back again. They can't come back again. They're dead, dead. What uh, what happens with uh, with angels going like further on to the other side? Like, if they die, is it kind of the same thing as with demons, or are they able to also come back? Uh, angels are the uh, angel. I've never seen an angel die. 
in all the in all the years that I've been doing this, I've never heard of one dying or seen one die. I've seen them go off to like another dimension, but not to not to die like you do with me when I kill demons. So, uh, kind of going into your perspective on things too, um, like what is the uh, I guess the the true form of a demon? Uh, like what what would it look like? And also, what would be the true form of an angel? And what, what exactly do you see when you when you see an angel? When I see Michael and the others, uh, Gabe, Raphael, um, they're seven feet tall. They have 12-foot wingspan. And each one is different. You know, Michael has uh, blonde hair and blue eyes. Gabe has brown hair and green eyes. And Raphael has black hair and green eyes and they're beautiful to behold you know and you get this feeling of love and comfort when you're around them and security when you see a demon they're kind of built like uh archangels in the way that they're seven feet tall 12 foot wingspan but that's as far as the similarities go when they're great they're shades of grays and blacks and they have almost no features on the face. No hair, obviously. But no features. All the, all, the only feature that really sticks out is their eyes. Old, the old demons, they have golden or yellow eyes. And the younger demons, and the lesser demons, and the minions all have red eyes. The thing is, that alone is not the thing. If you look into those eyes... You will see every evil, every atrocity you could ever think of or imagine. The, the evil emanating from those eyes will give you nightmares for the rest of your life. I know that I have had three people that have asked to see what I see because I have the ability to let them see. And um, one of them was a friend of mine who's uh, an ordained minister and I let him see, and he was just like blown away. And he says, I never want to see that again. Thank you. I'm like, okay. Another friend of mine was a medium and a wonderful guy. Very, very loving, very good medium. And he says, I want, this is what I want to do. I said, no, you don't. I said, what you want, you want to kill demons from a last lifetime when they killed you. I said, but that's not your job in this lifetime. So we went to a location, and I told him, you have to protect yourself. It's very important. I said, because I cannot be watching over you and killing a demon at the same time. So we're inside this house, and I'm in the middle of dealing with the demon, and I hear him from behind me saying, get it off, get it off. And I'm like, Michael, get it off of him, for Christ's sake. <laughs> get it off. So we got it off him, and so then we went outside, and he says, I want to see what you see. I said, well, hold my hand. And he held my hand, and he saw these two huge demons. He said, so they're as big as a house. I said, that's how, that's how you're perceiving them. I said, but they're really not that big. And he says, what are they saying? He says, I, I have, hear this high-pitched frequency. I said that they speak in Aramaic. I said they're they're talking, and it's never complimentary. 
And then one of them started to run towards me. And he let go of my hand. And I put up my hand and, and cast it aside. But he's like, I don't want to do that again. I said, I told you, it's not, it's not what you think it is. It's not, you're not looking at a, you know, something out of Hollywood. It's not the same. And then when I was on Ghost Adventures, Zach Baggins, he wanted to see. "Mm, He didn't want to see, but he wouldn't listen. So he didn't like what he saw either. What did, uh, what did he end up seeing? At first, when he a lot of the stuff came up is in the cutting room floor. But when he first held my hand, he said it was beautiful. He said it was what he saw white white light, and it was just beautiful and peaceful. He said, and then he saw a, it's like a curtain came down, and he saw the demon that I had chained over in the against the wall in the corner, and that's when he let go of my let go of my hand in a hurry. And I told him, I said, how's your back? He's like, it hurts. How did you know that? I said, because demons always go for your weak spot. I said, and that's your weak spot. And he's like, he literally ran out of the hotel. And it's like, I was going upstairs, you know, because my bit was done. And he was ran out of the hotel and got into a waiting car and took off and he Billy was my camera guy, and we were talking and stuff, and and he's and he called, Zach called him and said, I don't think that woman knows what she's doing. I'm hearing things. I'm seeing things. And he says, dude, she told you. You're going to hear what she hears. You're going to see what she sees. You better get back here and get her and take that away from you. And he finally came back. It's like, like, you know what? This is the shit I see every day. Welcome to my world. When uh when you pass these gifts on to people, of course you kind of have like the the blocker where they can't uh like change their form visually to you. Um, but when people get your view of things, assumably they their blocker isn't in that other person. So when they first you know like like touch your hand to see them, they probably see them for their true form. But once the demon realizes that that person's seeing them, they probably you know try to take advantage of you know, their fears, assumably, right? And try to try to look scary to them? No, they, 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 as long as they're holding my hand, they'll see them as, as I see them. It's when they let go of my hand, I break the link that they'll see them in as their imagination is. And it's like, you know, they don't understand why they're seeing them differently. And I tell them, it's because you, you broke the link. I said, this is how I see them. It's it's something that I I've learned to live with. You know, I'm 64. I've been seeing them that way for you know for the last 60 years. Um, flip flopping onto the other side too. Um, so there's like the the biblical like depiction of like what people believe that an angel would look like with all the different like moving components and eyes and wings and things like that. Um, like you see angels, you know, in their in their almost like their human form. So assumably they're trying to like show you like their image that they want to project of themselves. But do you ever see them in that uh, like biblical version or is that just kind of like a made up concept? Yeah, I can see them that way if I choose to see them that way. You know, it's like Gabe and, you know, they have, God created a a group of elite angels called the Legion of Light. And it's comprised of Michael, Gabriel, Raphael, and Ariel. And they can 
show themselves in any form. But when I see him, I see him as he is. I don't see him with any wings or anything like that. You know, it's just I mean, when they want to, they can present themselves with wings. But, you know, and uh, I, I let them see, I let them show me their wings once in a while. <laughs> but for the most part, it's just, you know, it's like having best friends. You know, I, I, they've been with me since I was a baby. So it's like I'm used to seeing them. I'm used to dealing with them. I mean, I don't call Gabriel Gabriel unless he, unless I'm pissed at him. I mean, it's usually Gabe or, or Raphael, Michael, you know. But they're all they're all really good. It's like we're one giant team, and we take care of each other, and you know we're stronger together, basically. But we're so, each, other, each of us individually are a force to be reckoned with. So um, you have the angel, of course, that's like uh, like almost like shares a vessel with you mm-hmm. in order to uh, do do like the demon slaying. Right. Um, have you had any contact with anybody else that kind of shares the the same gift of having like an angel in them that you know oh, even yeah. may serve a different purpose? Yeah, there are seven archangels in the world today, and I know where they all are. I've talked to them all. I've helped them understand who and what resides within them because they didn't know. So there's one in France. There's one in Italy, there's one in Colorado, there's uh, one in Scotland, there's one in England. They're just, they're all, they're all good people, it's just they didn't know what was going on. And you have to, you know, help them understand. I was born just that- with innate knowledge of it, whereas they weren't. So, uh, just out of uh, curiosity, um, do you know uh, some of their purposes? And, assumably, because you seem to be more uh, acquainted with your gift, um, I'm assuming that you kind of figured out their purpose and what they're supposed to do by, like, talking to the angel within them directly, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's that's why it's like hanal. It's like, you know, this is what you're supposed to do, and this is, this is why you can do the things you do, you know, and... And he's like, I always wondered about that. I'm like, yeah, I know, you know. <laughs> so, you know, of course, there's a... Of... Oops, sorry. There's a little bit of a like. Hano... Yeah, Hano was an archangel. So, uh, not just archangels, but are there, like, uh, like normal, like, I guess, standard, whatever you want to call them, like, entry-level angels that uh, inhabit other people? Or is it just uh, the, the, ma- the main archangels that are inhabiting people currently? Um, there are over 30,000 warrior angels born into physical form right now. And there are over 300,000 of them walking the earth in spiritual form. And everybody's got a job to do. Uh, nobody wants to be in a vessel. So they're all, they've all been given assignments or they've volunteered to do something for God. And it's all about, you know, fighting the darkness because the, the world has gotten so dark in the last hundred years. It's just ridiculous. If the, uh, the person that's the vessel, um, doesn't become aware of whatever purpose they're supposed to have, does the angel still end up fulfilling what it's supposed to do? Or is it kind of one of those things where they, they sit in the back and they kind of do what they do and they may go an entire lifetime without a person even realizing that they're there and they're still able to complete what they're trying to do. Usually the, They'll, because they can influence the individual on the subconscious level, you know, they'll get their purpose across. 
a lot of times um, people will be born with the warrior angels inside of them and they'll go through like a lot of their lifetime and not even know because the angel will be asleep. It'll be dormant, so to speak, until something happens to wake it up. Either it meets another angel or there's a traumatic event or, you know, or there's something like that and they'll wake up and then they need, then they're, they'll start doing what they're supposed to be doing. How would uh, somebody become aware if there is an angel that's residing inside of them? Well, a lot of times it's a case of, you know, angelic beings when they're in physical form have more gifts than your normal everyday people have. Even, you know, people that have abilities like somebody that's a medium, you know, or somebody that's a psychic medium. Okay, so they have those abilities. But if you've got like Ariel, she has... Because of Ariel, I have, I can do everything, psychometry, I can get into people, I can get into people's minds, Uh, I can read somebody's mind, I can, uh, you know, see the future, I can see the past, I can fight demons and kill them, you know, I, I can do just about everything, I can communicate with animals, you know, it's all, it's all good. So, um, I guess just kind of a, just a random side question, of course, going off of what you just said, um, when you say you can see the future and you can see the past, of course, like assumably the past has already happened and it's set, but when you see the future, is it more of like a, like this could happen, but there's different variations that could change the future or do you see it and it's pretty much set in stone for what you see? Well, you see, I see timelines. I see what is the present. The other timeline I see is what may be another set, and the other one is what will be. But those can change because of free will. See, that's where I was kind of curious with, uh, with the mix-up to it, too. And, um, assumably, like, uh, like, th- there's, there's, like, uh, there, there's God's plan, of course. So, there's supposed to be like an endpoint, right? But there's still free will along the way. But in a sense, it's like different avenues of getting to the same the same end goal, right? Well, there are certain things that are set in stone: the time you come in, the time you leave, and the method in which you leave. So you you know you know you're born on the fourth of July, you die December twenty second, uh, and you die. By what? Getting run over by a car or getting hit by a train or or whatever the case may be. Those are the things that are set in stone. Your purpose in this lifetime is also set, but they don't have just one. People don't have just one purpose. They can have more than one purpose. Um, Very rarely do I come across people that only have one purpose in lifetime. So it's kind of like you or I, if we have, you know, we're a jack of all, you know, master of none, so to speak. We can do all these things. But yet, you know, our main thing is, you know, like I can be a nurse. I can be, you know, I take apart computers and program my own computers. But the main thing is, is this, is the demon slaying. So, um, 
would you theoretically be able to know, uh, I guess, other people's purposes or purposes kind of asking? Yeah. yeah. People ask me that all the time. So that's a, one of the, like, the hard questions in life is that it's like everybody kind of has an idea of mm-hmm. what their purpose might be, yeah. but they want almost like somebody to uh, like set it in stone for them, you know, yeah, they and want validation, you know. Exactly. And unless you get into like the spiritual, when you just kind of live a lot of your life, uh, not really knowing for sure, it's kind of hard to, I guess, kind of put your faith anywhere. Because if you're into like the spiritual and you feel a sense of something being your purpose, like you're totally willing to, you know, go down that road. But if you're not a spiritual person and you have a hankering of like what your purpose might be, you don't have that like faith behind it. And I feel like more often than not, people will kind of just go, yeah, that might be it. But then they kind of steer away from the path. But and well, you think about people that have a knack for something. You know, you've got a, a knack for mathematics, or you've got a, a knack for commun- talking to people or listening to people. These are things that are instinctive from from the soul. You know, people ask me about warrior angels. Warrior angels are not just warrior angels. Certainly, they are all trained by the Legion of Light. They're all warriors. But you know, there are. There are communicators, there are facilitators, there are healers, you know, then there are the warrior warriors and the strategists. You know, there's all different kinds. It's kind of like being in the military, you know, you're, you're in the infantry, you know, you got somebody that works communications, you got another person that's the medic, you got another person that's the leader, another person that, you know, takes care of whatever. It's, it's, you know, you're all in the same, you're all in the same, you know, uh, infantry, but you all have different jobs. Um, kind of bringing it back a little bit, um, from your perspective and from all of the communication that you've had with, uh, with beings from the other side, so to speak, um, it's kind of a up in the air question that I guess everybody likes to ask and everybody has ideas on, but, uh, it's kind of hard to, uh, I don't know, know for sure, unless you do have contact with something that's on the other side. Um, what What is kind of like the origin of, I guess you could say, demons and angels, and uh, I guess where like we kind of fell into the picture along the way of kind of falling in between the two? Well, it's like, you know, we had, uh, our souls had physical, uh, physical bodies um, hundreds of thousands of years ago when we lived on a planet and God came across us and he decided to help us overcome, you know, we were a primitive race. We overcame, you know, war and disease, famine, you know, insecurities. And we evolved over time. And as we evolved, our whole pursuit, our whole purpose in life was the amassing of knowledge and we got to the point where we evolved into pure energy. And once we evolved into pure energy, we traveled as a collective among the different galaxies and cosmos. And we saw stars being born, planets being born, races being born, um, you know, black holes, you know, everything. We traveled like that for hundreds of thousands of years. And until one day... The groups, some of the groups said, you know what, you know, we're tired of this, you know, we've seen everything, we've taken in everything, we've got a lot of knowledge, we'd like to do, we'd like to be, you know, human again, we'd like to have physical body again. 
And God said, if that's really what you want to do, then fine, we'll find a planet that will support life. But then Lucifer and his followers said, uh-uh, that's not happening. This is not what we want. We do not want to be you know, subject to disease, growing old, pain, death. We don't want to have nothing to do with that. We don't want to be stuck in a shell. And, you know, they, at the time, they were white light beings as well. And so they rose up against uh, the Legion and God. So the, the war would have lasted, if it was in our time, it would probably have lasted a thousand years. But on the other side, their whole concept of time is different. So it would probably last about a week in their time. But in the end, Lucifer was disarmed by Michael, and Ariel disarmed his son, who was his second in command. And God told him, you know what? You can't live among us anymore. You, we know you're going to cause problems, and you'll, you did it once, you'll do it again. So he opened a rift into a dark realm, and he says, this is your new kingdom. He says, you can, you can live in here. And then he sealed the rift. So they, at first, they were happy with that because they didn't, you know, they don't have to have any kind of physical body. They can do their own thing. But after a while, they grew mm, vengeful, angry, just basically pissed off at the fact that, you know, they got stuck there and that they couldn't come and go as they pleased. But over the centuries, they found ways to, you know, make their way into our world by creating dark portals. And it's they, and that's how they enter our world, you know. Or you can, or you know, with all the advent of people doing paranormal investigations and stuff, every time you do a reading, every time you do an EVP session, every time you do a paranormal investigation, you open a portal, you open a doorway. And if you don't close that doorway, uh, these guys will come on in and have a good time. I have so, I've tried to pre preach that to people that do investigations. Close the damn door. I was going to say, and it's one of those things, too, that once you start calling for something, you never know what might show up, too. So you don't uh, know yeah. how high of a rank it might be, depending on what purpose it's trying to serve, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, but you don't find the old demons too much in the physical world. We're not worth their time and energy. It's usually the lesser demons, which are... The younger ones, I would say it's equivalent to hormonal teenagers trying to cause problems, having a good time. Them and the minions, the little creepy crawly dudes that like climb up the walls and the ceilings and show themselves as spiders and flat people and all kinds of weird things. And of course the shadow people, you know, lovely guys that they are. That's what I was going to ask is that uh, from a lot of your description of like what the what people perceive as like a demon, uh, especially in the beginning, uh, when you're kind of saying like how they partly manifest themselves, it kind of kind of had very shadow person feelings to it. Shadow people are, are click all their own. They they you don't I, w I won't say never, but you rarely ever find more than one of them in a location. They are like the lone wolf. They hate other demons or anything else in their territory. They like to have their own territory. And they're really good at keeping the others out. Uh, once in a while you may find two. But 
like in a big location, you might find one or two. So they'll, you know, like you stay over there, George. I've, I've got this this section. You've got that section. You know, and they never neither the twain shall meet. But they're more of a pain in my rear than anything. You know, they're easily dealt with, but they have a tendency to, you know, to pick out an individual and cause them to have like horrible nightmares, not sleeping, depression. And then they can even, you know, suck the life force out of you. And they can stop your heart just like a demon can. So kind of going back into, I guess, a little bit more of like the, the elder demons. Um, what is what is their like purpose? Like what are, what are they trying to do if they're not really messing too much with uh, like, you know, what, what the lower end demons would be, which is what assumably like we know as demons. And then I guess the second part of that, the main kind of entail into that same question is uh, have demons always been something of the dark or were they something that pretty much got casted to the dark? So they're more so viewed as dark because they have like a hate and like a vengeance for, for God itself. So they've kind of like pushed themselves to be a dark being, but they weren't originally a dark being. Oh, it's, it's kind of like people, you know, you have your good people and you have your people that are nasty in life and nasty in death. And, the demons are kind of like the nasty guys. You know, they're nasty in life. They're a butthead in life. <laughs> and then some. And I would say a human demon. Uh, and then, you know, so that when they went up, rose up against God, you know, they, their true colors were shown. And so they've, you know, they, that they just, their outside manifested what was inside. And um, so so the the elder demons, uh, what elder what is demons. like a what what are they like trying to go for? Like what is what is their like intention of like what they're trying to do if they're not really messing with uh well, know, like an average old person? Demons are kind of like they're the ones that oversee a lot of the different things. They oversee the young demons. They oversee you know they're in like Lucifer has like a first in command, second in command, and third in command. And usually the old demons will oversee the lesser ones and give them assignments and things to do. And they'll make sure that they're either doing whatever they were supposed to do. Lucifer will give assignments to the younger demons to do something. And sometimes they just won't bother, just like kids. You know, they're just like, nah, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to run off and do my thing. And so they're punished by the elder, de- the old demons. And um, the only time you'll see an old demon in the physical world is if Lucifer has given it a job to do. If he gives it a job to do, then they will come into the physical world. But otherwise, they don't, they don't like to do that. They don't like to come in the physical world. But just like people think, people talk about possession and that sort of thing. Well, demons will not stay, normally will not stay in fully in possession of a body for any length of time, you know, because they don't like being trapped in the shell. They don't want to be in there. They don't want to be stuck. And they're vulnerable when they're in the shell, just like white light souls are vulnerable when we're in the shell. But um, for the most part, the old demons, there is respect with the old demons. There's respect between the old demons and the archangels because especially the legion of light 
because they know the archangels are getting kicked their butt. So, um, the Legion of Light has been mentioned a few times, but uh, for anybody that isn't familiar with it, what exactly that is, do you mind uh, breaking it down and kind of describing it? Well, when we all turned into pure energy and we traveled among the, the stars and everything, God knew that it was just a matter of time before Lucifer caused problems. I mean, when he was alive in physical form, he was always causing problems. So, he knew it wouldn't be long before he would try to pull something. So God created the Legion of Light. It's comprised of the strongest, most powerful archangels in all of heaven, Michael, Gabriel, Raphael, and Ariel. And they in turn trained the warrior angels so that, you know, when this, should anything occur, they would be able to rise up and fight to defend the heavenly realm. Well, like I said, when, so when Lucifer, you know, raised up against God, you know, they were ready. Um, bringing it back a little bit too, uh, I kind of want to break down each little, little component of this. Um, at least your understanding of like what, what humans were, uh, when we were, you know, before we became an energy being, um, what's kind of like a rough idea that you could say like physically, like what did we look like, um, like who who were we exactly, and like where, how did we get, how were we there, or it, I, I, any we information you may know on yeah, that? Yeah, we were known as uh, the easiest, the closest name I can give you that we, uh, you know, like we're called humans. They were called Randis, R A N D I P, Randips, Randips. That's the closest pronunciation spelling that I can give because it's the whole communication when we were that those beings was different we did have telepathic abilities but we also our language skills were not as good until we started to evolve but we were we were about mm, we're, we're tall about six foot, seven foot, slender. We didn't have a lot of hair on our bodies. Most of us were pink or red or different hues like that. We'd have an occasional green. And from what God said, is that we were like seated from the original uh, council of elders, the original creators of the cosmos, basically. It sounds very, um, very alien-esque, I guess. And that being said... Um, do you know of if there was any type of like advanced technology back then that maybe theoretically, um, you know, they were using time travel or some type of, uh, like UFO, I guess you could say, and they were able to traverse through time into like what we are now, where maybe we're perceiving like our past selves as being like aliens. It's kind of funny because, you know, my, my son and I are big Doctor Who fanatics. You know, we always watch Doctor Who and the Time Lords. There are creatures called the Time Lords. They really do exist. And they're more, they don't get involved. They watch. They're all about watching. They don't get involved. They don't interfere. They're all about watching timelines and watching things happen and see how they come out. They're observers is the best way to explain them. They're 
they can travel through time, you know, forwards, backwards, you know, different dimensions. It's quite interesting. I remember the first time that I met one. It was kind of funny. I'm like, you don't look like David Tennant. Sorry. <laughs> they're kind of creepy looking dudes. <laughs> but I'm really, nice. really glad that you brought them up because uh, <laughs> actually I had somebody on my show a while back ago, um, Tony Rodriguez, if anybody you know wants to go back and listen to that one. But uh, he was referring to uh, something called a 20 and back. And he was saying that people have been doing this for... Like he said, some of like the high ups and that it were like uh, were Nazi scientists, and he said that when we were first figuring out time travel in this, uh, you know, like secret space operation, whatever you want to call it, that there were these uh, like time lords, and there were certain rules that you had to abide by if you were going to do time travel, and if you didn't, then they would come and they would almost be like the time police. And the exact story that he shared with me was that. Uh, somebody disobeyed one of the rules of you know time travel, and one of these beings came, took him, put him in a rat for a thousand years, uh, then threw him back and said, don't do it again, and pretty much disappeared. And I was asking him if he knew any more information about these beings, and he said that that was pretty much the extent of what he knew. So it's been something that's been you know sitting in the back of my mind for a while, and you know this is the first time that something's pop up that sounds similar to it and uh you know i'm curious if you've ever heard of experiences like that happening where you know there's rules that you have to abide by and they just watch but if they if people don't obey them they come in and take like corrective action on it no they don't interfere one way or the other they kind of remind me of um the watchers uh, you know they're they're neither good nor bad and they watch everything you know, they, they take into account everything. They watch everything. And these guys, they kind of look like, if you're a Star Wars fan, you know what Watto looks like, the guy mm -hmm. with the wings and stuff. They don't, he didn't, they don't have that kind of a nose. They have it, like, just surrounded. And, but they kind of look like that sort of thing. <laughs> they're kind of, you know, kind of pudgy around the middle. and you know, they're, But they're well-dressed. They are well-dressed when I see them. But they're, you know, they... They say we don't interfere. So, so we, you know, they. I've talked to them several times, and they won't give away anything about the future, you know, to humans or any other species. But they do watch and they gather information, and it's almost like they record everything. You know, they record their what they see and and what happened and all that sort of stuff. And it's it's like. Like it's like when we were, you know, just in a pure energy, we're watched, we learned. That's the way these guys are. They don't interfere. They watch. They learn. You know, they'll talk to an occasional archangel or or uh, the Galactic Federation. They'll talk to or the or the Council of Elders and God. But they won't. You know, they don't really do too much talking to just physical beings. <laughs> we're not, you know, because we're not like. Not worth their time and effort. <laughs> I was going to say, assumably, they come from like a like an like a reality that's almost like a macro of like our reality. So, like that being said, I almost I'm almost kind of curious if there's like a hierarchy to those beings too, where you know the ones like you're just referring mm -hmm. to might be like the the very minimal entry level that just sit and watch, and that's all that they want you to be aware of within their reality. But there might be like a like a hierarchy going up. 
And, uh, you know, maybe that story that I, I shared with you is something totally different yeah, or well, maybe they theoretically have, you know, they have could the, be like a higher up. Yeah, they have people <clears throat> that are higher up than them. Uh, but there, there are laws and there are um, rules and regs and things you're not allowed. They're not allowed to do and under any circumstance. But if they're given an assignment to do something or to modify a time, you know, time stream of some sort, then they'll do that. But for the most part, they kind of pretty much stay to themselves. So, um, just because this whole kind of, this whole concept definitely fascinates me. So when it comes to like what we perceive as reality, you know, there's like the, like the angelic area, like a uh, dimension, whatever you want to call it, like mm-hmm. the demonic dimension. And then there's like the human dimension is that almost like uh, something that exists like within their dimension from your understanding that maybe uh, like see, trying to figure out a good way to explain this. It's almost like, I don't want to say like a simulated reality by any means, but like, you know, maybe they have something that contains our whole reality as we know that it exists and they're sitting outside of it. And maybe like they're yeah, partly, they're, yeah, they're not a, they don't come into our reality. They don't come, you know, they don't go into the angelic realm, the demonic realm. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Um, or the physical realm. They're transdimensional, so they can, they can move within the different dimensions with just a thought. And I don't see any problem with that. They... They enjoy doing it, but you know, it's like, take me with you next time. (laughs) (laughs) So like from your experience, it seems like, uh, kind of like backing out there, like the, the like farthest out being, do you know of anything that's like farther out than them? Yeah. (laughs) What, uh, what, what exactly do you know of as far as like, you know, going farther out from them? (laughs) The dragons. The dragons. Dragons please are please explain and dive into dragons this. Dragons <laughs> are immortal. They were here long before even the uh, Council of Elders. They've been around since the beginning of the universe. They there's only about a thousand of them left. They're immortal, but when they decide that they don't want to be around anymore, they just you know they go into the like. I, the last one I remember leaving, they don't really die per se, but leaving went into the sun. I saw it go into the sun and it never came out again. But 
they have abilities. They move through space like reminds me of Chinese dragons. You know mm-hmm. how they they're supposed to travel on the wind. Well, these guys travel on the currents of time and dimension. They travel through you know space that way. They travel on you know like winds of of uh, I don't know waves or something. They're they're beautiful. They're very you know they're very uh, graceful, and they just they travel through. They float through all these different dimensions and everything. Ariel first encountered one um, billions of years ago, and she on the outskirts. Is this like the Leviathan that, like you know, like the Bible would refer to? Probably, they were. She encountered them. She encountered uh, Demi. It was it's a red dragon, and you know, a long time ago, and they became fast fast friends, and then. You know, she's over time. She she's gone with them to their you know to the different dimensions and things like that. So there, she has a lot of she knows all of the dragons, and they just basically have a good time. <laughs> they don't care for about anything. They'll help you. They have they have healers. They have uh, people that they have people. They have dragons that. Heal, they have strategists, they have, you know, communicators. And they all communicate telepathically, so they're quite interesting, very intelligent, very, uh, uh, they, just, they just have a way with them that's, that makes you feel good and, and makes you feel safe and secure. So this is going to sound like kind of a weird question, but like, so we're looking at something that an ant's doing and we don't really like understand it. And we're kind of like see ourselves as like beyond that. So then going out, you have, you know, like everyday problems that people are worried about. And then you have angels and demons that are like, okay, that's just, you know, it's minuscule. It means absolutely nothing. Like yeah. it's pointless. Yeah. So then you go farther back out from that and you have these, uh, you know, the angelic wars, of course, between like the demons and the angels. Yeah. But then when you get to the point of like the dragons, are they kind of just sitting there like, all right, like that's, that's some macro stuff. That's not, that's not important. Like they're they're there's something that's like farther beyond, almost like yeah, comprehension wise, like us viewing an ant's life. Yeah, they they don't understand a lot of the they don't understand the physical world at all. But they've been learning. You know, Demi's been learning because he's friends with Ariel, so he's been learning how humans work and what's what they consider important and things like that. And and they have a matriarch dragon. She he reports back to her and lets her know what he's learned, you know. And he has a friend that comes that comes sometimes named Fred. I call him Fred. It's, it's, his name is too difficult to pronounce, so I call him Fred. And uh, they they just you know they learn things. They're constantly learning. They learn how you know humans react and uh, what our what our problems are and how we're screwing up things. And they report back to the matriarch. And I'm sure she rolls her eyes and says, oh, my God, this is ridiculous. <laughs> so, um, you know, perceivably from, like, the Bible, um, when, when you refer to, like, Leviathan, it almost seems like they were, uh, like, creatures created by God that got, like, locked away almost. So kind of going back to, like, kind of what you were referring to, do you think that's, uh, you know, kind of like a human perception of what actually happened if uh you know you're kind of referring to the uh the council of elders 
being created by the dragons, is it like the Bible sees it as one way, but looking at it from that aspect, it would almost be like the opposite? Yeah, yeah, it's almost the opposite. You know, man's always trying to figure out things. Let me put a square peg in a round hole. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And uh, for, for anybody that isn't familiar, of course, um, if you don't mind breaking down the Council of Elders and kind of giving people an idea of what that is exactly, because I know we've referenced it a few times, but I don't think uh, you know we've broken down to exactly what that is. <laughs> yeah, the Council of Elders is like, the. Uh, see, you have to put it into perspective, the hierarchy. The uh, dragons were around long before the Council of Elders, and they were basically created by the cosmos, given... Uh, given life per se and given you know sentient turned into sentient beings and so they they're immortal they can they've been around forever and then came then they create helped to create the council of elders which are the next ruling body and there are 10 of them and then they in turn helped to create uh, the galactic federation council so, and God and his brothers and sisters are kind of like right in the middle there between the so Council are, of Elders and the, and the Lackey Federation. Are there uh, certain um, entities or beings that are the same for both? Or is it like uh, the Council of Elders and then the Galactic Federation are two totally separate groups? They're, they're two totally separate groups. The, the Council of Elders are much older and, you know, you'd say like, you know, like they're 10 billion years old, whereas the, Count, the Galactic Federation is only, you know, like, you know, 2 billion years old. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know, I'm just throwing out numbers there, but it's like, you know, they're the younger council, you know. and Generation they, 2. <laughs> yeah, and usually they don't, both, neither one of the councils will usually interfere. They um, don't believe in interfering as well. But every now and then, they do give, give advice. But for them to interfere, again, they don't understand. They don't understand man's concept. You know, they don't understand what drives the physical man. They, they haven't a clue for what's going on with that. I mean, they know the demons. They know of the demons. They know of the angels. You know, but man is a whole other situation. They're like, What? I don't understand you, thanks, you creatures. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you may not have a full breakdown of it, or maybe you do, but uh, either way, I'm definitely curious. Um, starting, I guess, with the uh, Council of Elders, um, do you by chance know, like, know uh, like who they are, like what their intentions are, like a description of like what slash who they are? Because um, I'm sure everybody's definitely probably fascinated on whether or not it's like, uh, you know, it could potentially break down the whole concept yeah, of uh, there are 12, you know, extraterrestrials. There are 12 of them. Most of them, uh, Horus is, I think Horus is the most, is the one that stands out the most. He's more sympathetic. He's more willing to listen, willing to learn, willing to get involved. Sita, she's a healer and she's uh, like Horus. She likes to help, she'd like to help when she can, and she does help humans when she can. And Mio is kind of like the—he's the head of the of the Galactic Federation, and he—he's kind of—he tries to stay pretty aloof, 
and tried not to, you know, make decisions that would impact, you know, uh, the human creatures. And there, there's, to, you know, to remember, most of them don't get involved, but these are the ones that get involved the most. Have you had any um, like personal interaction with anybody um, that's been on, of course, other than God, of course, um, that's been part of the uh, Galactic Federation or the Council of Elders? Yeah, um, there are there are some ones that there are some that will stop by occasionally, you know, um, but for the most part, they have a tendency to stay to themselves. If they have a message for me or something, then they'll definitely stop by. And, like, the dragons are always hanging around. Always. So I'm used to them hanging around anymore. So when it comes to, um, I guess, like, uh, like the Adam and Eve story, hmm. was the intention that, um, I guess, God, there was already our consciousness that was existing that, you know, was, right. you know, he, he created into an energy. Right. And so when he created Adam and Eve, assumably that was like uh, creating like a physical body. And then right. two, two picked souls got to go into Adam and Eve right. as more of like a, like a test to see if it worked. Exactly. And then afterwards he started creating, of course, like other vessels for the rest of the, the beings to go into. Yeah. It's kind of like that. It's like, he didn't, you know, that, there's a set way for people to come into the physical world. And it doesn't always work. It's not a perfect system. Uh, he keeps telling me it's not a perfect system. But, you know, sometimes people are born and they have uh, problems, shall we say, mentally. And, of course, the birthing process is not, is not perfect. But people don't understand that like if a baby's born stillborn because baby's stillborn and it dies in the womb people assume that either the person did something wrong or you know or they or they're a bad person or whatever or but that's not always the case of it because so, some souls come down to experience the creation process but not the birthing process it's the same when, you know, babies die right after birth. They're, they come in to experience the creation and the birthing process and then leave afterwards. People think that, you know, you just, that why is God mad at me? My child died. But really, each individual soul has free will and has the ability to say, hey, I'd like to go in and just experience the birthing process or, you know, the or the creation process, or I want to die as a child, or whatever. Or I want to experience, you know, uh, being uh, mentally ill, or I want to experience being uh, physically challenged. You know, it's all up to the individual soul. I mean, God doesn't tell you, no, 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 you can't do that. No, 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 it's not going to work out. He doesn't do that. It's like, the soul makes the decision of what it wants to do, how it wants to incarnate. So, um, like that being said, is there like a, I guess like a, like an end game to it? Like a, like a thing that you're supposed to learn if you're just like a standard soul without like, like an angel connected to it? Or is it more so just kind of like a, 
like we're we're an energy and we just pretty much come down here for the sake of experiences but those experiences are more so for i guess like personal amusement or like personal gain rather than like serving like a large i guess like a like a yeah larger purpose well my son asked me that one day he's like mom he says i bet you know the meaning the meaning of life i'm like yeah it's quite simple actually it's all about the experience we come down to learn new things to experience new things like okay so say you know you're like oh well you know i'm gonna come back and i'm gonna be reborn i'm gonna be a boy and i want to be like um a opera singer or i want to be a doctor i want to be a nurse and so you you come down to achieve that goal and to learn what it means to be an opera singer or a doctor or you know all those life experiences and then you go to the other side and say man you know i don't really want to do that again or you know you go down to specifically to you know die of cancer I mean, you know, you're thinking, what kind of idiot would want to come down to be, like, hit by a train or die of cancer? But it's all about experiencing that. That doesn't mean you're going to come down again and again and do that. But, you know, if, like, I, if you come down and say, oh, you know, I've never had a life where I get, where I got killed and being hit by a train. Maybe I'll do that in this lifetime. <laughs> it's like, are you crazy? You know? Or hung, See, or, that, or burned at the stake. You know what the heck? That's always the the road that I've been on. Is that the meaning of life is experience? It of is. course, it's all about the experience. And, and like that being said, too, um, you know, when you come back for each life, so to speak, like you don't have any previous memory of the last one. Hmm. But in between each of them, yeah. do you have like full memory of like every life that you've lived until yeah. you like go back down again? Yeah, what it is is it's like it's stored in the soul soul consciousness. Every every life you live, but it's, we're not talking about like your day to day life or like, damn it, I burned the I burned the chili. What's up with that? You know, none of that stuff is is remembered. It's the large experiences, like. It's uh, getting married, it's buying a house, uh, having your child, you know, having a baby, you know, or, you know, experiencing cancer or, you know, you know, being a celebrity on TV. All the, the big things are stored in the soul consciousness, but it lets go of most of the time. It lets go of the other things, but not always. That's why people will come back time and again and have physical manifestations of past lives or they'll remember things from past lives i have a friend who says you know he says all my life i've had this pain in my low back you know l5s1 and it's like it's all it's always bothered me ever since i was born he says i don't understand you know why why have i've had that since birth and i looked at him and i said you know you were a roman centurion and you were speared in L5S1, and you eventually died from an infection from that. I said, there you go. It's come back to haunt you. And it does. People have, my husband, for example, you know, he's the type of person, if you can't touch it, feel it, or see it, it don't exist. He's an auditor. He's left-brained, you know, till he married me anyway. And, <laughs> uh, and he's like, one night, 
he had a horrible nightmare. And he told me the next morning, he said, listen, I've had this dream. He said, and this is the third night in a row I've had this dream. He says, I'm on board the Arizona. And I'm walking through water like you walk through air. He says, and I'm down in the rec room, which is below decks. And he says, the big topic of conversation is, why didn't they come for us? Because, you know, they entombed those men down there. They just left them there. And he says, the next thing I know, I'm up on the monument and I'm running my finger down to find my name. And when I find it, I wake up and I don't remember what it was. He said, can you get me a list of the men that died on the Arizona? And I'm like, okay. You know, I finally found the list. It was like 18 pages long. And I said, here you go. Go for it. So he's looking to the list. Page 13, he says, this is it. This is who I was. And I looked at the name, and I'm like, hmm, quite interesting. The name was Raymond Arthur Roby. I named my son after my grandfather, Ray Arthur. There's no such thing as coincidence. Oh, yeah, that was going to say, that's like too close to be coincidence, because husband, it's not just one yeah, name, it was two names. my husband has an absolute fear of drowning, but has never even so much as slipped in the bathtub in his entire life. See, that was the next thing I was going to ask is that if you have like a connecting fear mm -hmm. of how you died in a past life, because I, um, I've had, I've had a few visions a couple times about being like a Viking and I've been the same Viking that each possible, each time I've had these different mm -hmm. visions. And that also being said, I've always had a huge fascination with water, but I've always been horrified by water. So I always have this like a, this, Love -hate this background feeling yeah, that, I, that I died in water, which would completely make sense because more than likely it was like a drowning thing. But at the same time, though, if you had that Viking heritage, that would have been, you know, you have a love for it, even though it was something that yeah, killed you. So it's like that, I admire it from afar, yeah, you know, <laughs> because that lifetime is dominant in in your past lives. You know, I've had 131 lifetimes. This is my last one. Ariel was sent back because she had to learn to have compassion for mankind. She had no compassion. What happened in 1198 AD, a woman cried out to God and said, help me, you know, deliver me from this demon. So God sent Ariel down. And Ariel's like, and the demon came forward when Ariel appeared. And she reached in and she ripped the demon out of the person out of the woman and of course the, the body died and god said you have you have no compassion for mankind he says you have you're gonna have to learn to have compassion and he's and she told him she says you know she summoned the demon and she calls on us to pick up her dirty laundry so to speak you know it's like she called it and then she she gets in too far and now she wants help she says she does it to herself. Man does it to themselves. And God wasn't having any of it because it wasn't the first time she's done this. So he told her she had to go back and live physical world lives until she learned to have compassion for mankind. I, I say she's stubborn. After If it takes 131 lifetimes, I think she's stubborn. Just yeah, because you break that down and it's, you know, roughly 70 years per life, yeah. you know, just, just a rough time, or you can even say 50, just try to be safe. Like, but it's a lot of lifetimes. But she finally learned this time. She learned more in this lifetime than she ever has before. 
So that's a good thing. She doesn't have to come back again. She's happy. So have you been tied with her through all of these past lives, or was it like she just hopped in with you on like this specific life? No, she's. I've incarnated in all those lifetimes, but each each physical consciousness is different. Yet the physical, even the physical consciousness, retains uh, the some memories from those lifetimes. I can recall every lifetime. That's what I was about to ask: I is if you remember, all because most of them were a violent death. But, yeah, this is the first lifetime where I'll die normally. Do you, uh, like, remember, uh, I guess, like, each step step through the lifetime? Like, you, you remember, like, what her starting point was as far as compassion for people up to, like, where she is now? Yeah, yes. And, and you know, angels don't have a good grasp on emotions. So her first three lifetimes back were horrible. I mean, she was experiencing all these emotions. She was not used to that. And it really made it hard for her to experience. It's like sensory overload. Yeah, it was, it was horrible. As, as she's lived each lifetime, it's gotten better and better. But, you know, it's like for the first, I'd say the first 20 lifetimes, it's like overload, man. Just bad. But nah, she's learned now that to go with the flow. Hey, that's all we really can do in life, to be honest with you. Angel and human alike. Yep, yep, (laughs) just go with the flow. That's all you can do. So, um, assumably, of course, you know, you're an author for anybody that isn't aware of that also. Um, Do you break down all of this uh, through some of your books? Um, You know, as far as, like, uh, all of your experiences possibly in past lives and, like, uh, your connection and relationship with with her? Well, I haven't yet. I have... I have it halfway written, but I haven't gotten it finished yet. I'm I'm working on four books at the same time. I'm just releasing one this week, and I'm working on one called The Angel Primer. And what it does is it talks about the reincarnation of angels into the physical world. You know what what your abilities are, how to help yourself, and there's a lot of information about. You know, things you can do, the protective things, all kinds of things in there. And then I have one that uh, I'm calling Aerial Returns. And it's based on, you know, her lifetimes. Um, what are some of your uh, some of your other books, I guess, too? I want to give people a, a wide description of each of your books so that, you know, if everybody's enjoyed this conversation, which assumably they have because this has been a wonderful conversation, uh, you know, they'll kind of they can follow their interest into whatever uh, book you've written that might be what exactly is sparking their interest in, in this conversation. Yeah, I started writing in 2008, first published in 2009. God came to me and says, I want you to write a book. And I'm like, okay. And he's like, I want you to write a book so that and tell people that I hear them. I do hear them. He says, I give them what they need, which is not necessarily what they want. And he says, you can put whatever you want into it. So I'm like, okay, fine. So I wrote A Medium's Guide to the Paranormal. And what it has in it is a lot of information about a lot of different things. And, or I should say a little information about a lot of different things. And uh, it's told, you know, a lot of people really like the book because 
it's told like, I wrote it like I'm talking to you, you know, it's just like you don't know anything about the paranormal, so I'm, I'm telling you, you know, I'm explaining things to you. That was the first one, and then I have two books, one's called Paranormal Encounters, and the other one's called Paranormal Encounters 2, and they're my real life paranormal encounters, which I don't have the dark ones in there. <laughs> but um, then there is um, uh, Out of Time, and it is a paranormal romance. Uh, don't, don't laugh at me for that one. It's one of the few books, people seem to like it a lot. It's a book that's told from the perspective of the spirit guides, the guardians, you know, the animals, and even ghosts. And it's it's quite interesting. I have a sequel to that coming up. And then there is I was, then yeah. I was gonna say that one sounds pretty interesting just because it's a just a different take on things. Yeah. You know, you, you talk to a lot of people that come on these shows and a lot of their stuff are very reference based books. Yeah. Um so now it's I find it awesome that we're getting to a point where there's so many people interested in these topics that you can write stories like that and uh, you know, sparks people's interest just as much like I, I think that's a really cool thing actually yeah and i um wrote the dark side of the paranormal i'm giving away all the dark dark ones ugly secrets you know all the nasty little secrets i put a lot of information in there um i had been unfortunately somebody talked me into doing a body mind spirit expo one time and one of the things you can do is lecture you know you get to give a, a lecture so everybody wanted me to do about angels. I'm like, no, I'm not doing about angels, man. I'm doing about the dark side of the paranormal. Nobody ever talks about that. What's up? So I was late getting into my uh, lecture, and it was standing room only. And I'm like, holy cow, okay. So <laughs> I gave my lecture, and I sold out of my books in the first hour after the lecture. It's like, And people are coming by and saying, you know, you really need to write about the dark side of the paranormal. So I broke down and wrote about the dark side of the paranormal. Well, the dark ones tried to stop me from doing it, but hey, they can't stop. And then I have um, Demon Seekers, uh, The Journey Begins. There are seven archangels in the world today. And each one of these books is a reference, is reference to uh, one of the archangels. And they're fantasy-based, but they're based on reality. But the first one is uh, Demon Seekers, uh, The Journey Begins. The second one, which I'm releasing this week, is called uh, Demon Seekers Into Darkness. And it takes place in the UK in Stonehenge. Is the, the climax happens in Stonehenge. And let's see, what else have I got out there? <laughs> Oh, uh, you got so one, many books. At yeah. least people get a good place yeah. to choose from because yeah, you get such a wide variety. The one I released last year is the, is the first. Last March is the first in a four volume series. It's called Demon Seer: The Awakening. It talks about how the negatives are influencing people in the physical world, and there's a lot of information. There's two really awesome chapters in there, which one of them is on protection. You know what will and what won't protect you. And the other one's on how to help, where to find help and how to help yourself. And I have um, uh, the Johnson brothers, you know, they're, they're uh, 
deliverance ministers. They're, they've agreed to be in the book. Um, and uh, the Archbishop of the Order of St. Michael of Exorcist, he's, a be, he's in the book. His, all their information to communicate with them are, is in the book and several others. So I've got plenty of information. Of course, my information's in there. But I think, pe I think people needed to be aware of what was going on. So that's why I wrote the first chapter. The second one is going to be about Demon Seeker. It uh, is going to be Demon Seeker into the light. It talks about the way things really are on the other side in heaven. I will, of course, uh, add at least your Amazon link so that everybody can come and find those books. Or, and of course, I'm sure you can find them off of your website, but uh, I myself will definitely have to be scooping a couple of them. <laughs> but uh, I guess before we start wrapping up here, um, we got to add a little bit of a cherry on top at the end because, you know, everybody is always interested in the fascinating experiences. So if you don't mind, I would like, uh, you know, to hear about, I guess, your most positive experience, you know, going about, you know, the life that you that you live and your most dark or scary experience. And then uh, you made reference to you having a Sasquatch experience too. Um, if you wouldn't mind sharing one of each of those three experiences, um, I'm sure the listeners would love to hear it. Oh, the Sasquatch was kind of cool. I was up in Trout Lake, Washington. And uh, it's a big, uh, the Gilman Ranch up there is, is a big hotspot for UFOs and, and Sasquatch and things like that. Things that go bump in the night. I was up there and I was just like hanging out and then all of a sudden I I hear this in my head, you know, who are you? It's, who are you? I'm like looking to see who it was and the, I'm like, who are you? I'm thinking telepathically. I'm like, who are you? And then what I see is a, it's the image, self-image of, of the Sasquatch. I'm like, oh, that's cool. He's like basically telling me, you know, I stay away from humans. I don't want anything to do with them. They're, you know, they, all they do is cause trouble. You know, I'm like, okay, okay, it's all right. You know, I said, I'm not here to cause trouble. I said, I'm just here to vegetate. <laughs> and he was like, he's like, good. And he walks off, you know, and he gets out and walks off out of my mind. I'm like, okay, that's cool. I, I get, I get you. Uh, I'm so than willing. <laughs> just uh, from, you know, considering your background, uh, one thing that's always seems to be up in the air and a topic of conversation amongst, uh, you know, all of these groups of people is that Sasquatch is Nephilim. So personally, I am not on that boat. I kind of think that, you know, a Sasquatch is its own separate thing. But at least from your perspective, like, what's your view on that? Yeah, no, he's, he's a whole different thing. Yeah, it's not. I mean, you, if you wanted to be specific, you could probably, you could probably say I was, because Nephilims are half angel, half human. So it's like, you know, there's part of me that's angel and part of me that's human. You know? And uh, I guess another thing, you may not know the answer to this question, but I'm definitely curious if you've gotten any word of it. Um, what exactly created Sasquatches? Like, where did they come from? Um, like, do you have any information on that, possibly? As far as I know, from what I could pull out of his mind, it he didn't know either. I think he's just, they've been around forever and ever. And they were something that evolved separately, as far as I know. That's, he, that's his take on it. 
that they evolved separately. So I don't know. That's all I know. That's always been kind of my thing is that they're their own separate thing. And the depth of understanding to them is where everything gets questionable because it's like, you know, are they interdimensional? Are they something that's physical? Are they something that's both? Um, you know, it, it, you can speculate all you want, but, you know, I, I always kind of gear towards their, uh, I guess, they, they could be something, I, I guess, kind of on the same means as us, that I feel like they're here physically, yeah. and they have the ability to do things that are spiritual, mm-hmm. but they may not, you know, be like dimension walking, like how a lot of people perceive that they do. Um, like, you know, I, I'm not one that necessarily like falls into that category, but I do definitely think that they're something that's evolved next to us right. in the extent of, you know, we look at them like they're something that's primal, but they're not really primal. If anything, they're more in tune with their natural abilities that we should have, such as, you know, being able yeah. to telepathically yeah. communicate, but they're we've more, grown away from yeah, that as human more, beings. They're more in tune with nature and they don't have all the distractions you know, that we have and they can focus on things individually and they've over the generations it's what I'm getting is over the generations they've you know they've increased their ability to communicate telepathically and that's how they do most of the time. And they just the only time they make a lot of noise and stuff is they're trying to scare off humans because we're stupid. <laughs> Assumably though, I feel like people are getting their way there and you know we would hope that it would be through like natural means that we'd be able to telepathically communicate but you know it seems like humans kind of got distracted by technology and that's why you know we can't feel the weather we can't sense the weather we can't do all of this so assumably if we are going to be able to reconnect and telepathically communicate for humans it's probably sadly going to be through technology Uh, yeah (laughs) unfortunately okay best experience i guess when i died and went to the other side and I got to I got to meet God, and, and I got to see my grandparents again. And you know, Michael said, you know, you have to understand who and what you are. And he touched my forehead, and I turned into Ariel. And he said, look upon yourself. He says, this is who you truly are, not the physical shell which you reside in. And when he did that, then all the memories came flooding back on who and what I was. Now I knew that that's why I had to go back was to help mankind and kill the demons because she, she really hates them. That's the point. She loves killing them. So there you go. <laughs> so, fascinating question that uh, I'm sure a lot of people are wondering. So if you can see things through an angel's view of things, um, were you able to see God himself? Oh yeah. And follow up to that question, like what was his uh, per- like what was your perception of like what he looked like well, to you? You know, and the human brain has has to figure things out for itself, and it's certain things that the human brain can, you know, create. But the best way to, I always I always see him as pure energy, but it's like it's got. He's, the pure energy is in like a uh, humanoid type of form, and I'm sure that's because my, that's how my brain is perceiving it. But he's pure energy that moves. He can create a hand or he can create a foot. And it's like, it's almost like it's a golden energy and it's, it, it moves and it's almost like fire. It's the closest thing I can come to. The energy is kind of like moves like fire does. So, um, 
is it definitely 100% a masculine energy or is it a matter of like, uh, you know, somebody's perception on whether or not they see it as more like feminine or masculine? Because, yeah. you know, a lot yeah. of people question more, what side yeah, God really yeah, falls on. masculine type energy and he considers himself, you know, we have, we've had long talks. He considers himself, um, what if they're gender neutral, basically, you know, I mean, you know, but he considers himself uh, male. And it's like Ariel has a difference of opinion. Ariel says she's always incarnated as a female because she feels that the female is the stronger energy, the more powerful energy. But that's Ariel. You know, she has her own way of doing things. (laughs) (laughs) The worst, uh, the scariest, well, I don't, I've never been afraid of any of any of the demons, but had an interesting visit to a place called the cage in uh, England. It was considered the most haunted location in all of England. It was a medieval women's witches prison. And they would hang them. They would be there for years, rotting away. But uh, there was a lot of demons in there. I was asked to go in and see if I could help and remove the demons. I was in the UK in 17. And I had a friend of mine say, you know, give me a call. And I said, well, you know, I can't because I'm over here in England. I'm in London. And she's like, well, there's this lady. Maybe you can help this lady. And I'm like, I don't know, whatever. I said, just send send me the info. So she sent me the information on this on the woman, Vanessa. And so I sent a message to Vanessa and said, you know, if, if you want help, you know, getting rid of the demons, let me know. You know, okay, fine. And I went off to the Tower of London to visit the Tower of London. And then when I came back, uh, I got a message from her saying, I, I usually don't respond to these type of messages, but I had the feeling to respond to you for to get help. And I'm like, okay. I said, send me a picture of the location. So she sent me a picture. I said, okay, I'm going to get on the treadmill. I'll, I'll remove it while I'm on the treadmill. No worries, because it's too far away for me to get to from here. So I removed the demons that were there while I was on the treadmill. I have to have something to do with my time. And uh, he, she says, well, I have a, a famous American psychic coming, Chris Fleming, and he doesn't do, deal with negatives. Said, so I told him, I said, I told him, I said hey, it's going to be clear. When he goes in there, because he was coming the next day. I said, when he goes in there, he won't find anything negative. And sure enough, he went in there the next day and there was nothing negative left. I said, I do good work. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Got that angel behind yeah. it. It definitely, uh, you know, it's it's almost like pulling out a uh, overpower card. Yeah. <laughs> like the things, it's the thing is they were coming, they were embedded in the walls. They were, you know, in the ground. They were, you know, in the ceiling. They were everywhere in the floors. I mean, the demons were just like full time, hundred percent. And so that place exactly, you know, when they come out of, you know, like, like the portals or whatever you want to call them, is it almost like, uh, you know, they're getting pulled back to where they come from. So they try to like grasp onto anything that they possibly can to try to keep themselves here. No, they, they, the portals, the dark portals are always open. It's a, it's an open door. So if they want to leave, they just, they just go down the, just go use the portal and go. But they, they wanted to inhabit 
the walls and stuff because there was so much pain and so much suffering in the place. It was great for them because they feed off of that sort of stuff. So it's like they were coming out of the walls and stuff. And I'm like, really? Bite me. Get out of there. You know? Get got rid of it. can only imagine how horrifying that would be, you know, from like an average person's perspective of like seeing it through your eyes that you just walk through this building and then there's yeah. just demons coming through the floor, through the walls, like I, out of everything. I, told her, I said, to make sure there's nobody in the house when I take care of business. <laughs> I said, they don't want, nobody wants to be there when, when I take care of business. Because the activity ramps up. Even when they know I'm coming, the activity goes through the roof. I think it's a matter of them trying to uh, get out all they can because they know that they're not going to be around much longer. Yeah, yeah it's, it's like once they know I'm coming, it's, it, they get really scared. But, you know, that's the way it is. They don't want to face her and, and they don't want to die. So if they were smart, they would leave. But they're not that smart. They're pretty stupid. I was going to say, do any of them ever try to escape? And if they do, uh, does she purposely try to find that exact one and go back after it? Like, uh, oh, you thought you got away kind of a no, thing. She doesn't have to. They, they show up eventually. You know, she used to be to where, you know, God had deemed that she send them back to the dark. But over the last 10 years, it's been a case of kill them. Just get rid of them because they're never going to learn their lesson. So... So I've been killing them for the last 10 years. So I guess before we, uh, before we wrap up, I have one more very important question. So, assumably, you know, you're taking them out, you're killing them, and they're, they're gone for yeah. good. But do they have a way of, I don't want to say coming back, but like creating more? Or is it like, a, like you kill them off, that's it, there's one less, and you're yeah. just dwindling down the numbers? Exactly. Or are they able to like bring their numbers no. back up? No, they can't bring their numbers back up. What? The amount that's there is the amount that's there, and you just have just one less demon to deal with when I kill it. That's just is there like a like you know with all of your connections to kind of being able to perceive things that are going to happen in the future? Um, is there like a like a goal like time that uh, all of these things get taken out, or is it just something that's like beyond our comprehension that's going to take think, yeah, longer than we can perceive? Behind beyond human comprehension. Because no matter, you know, I've taken out, I've taken out hundreds of thousands of them, and it makes no difference because there are trillions of them. It's not like there's, you know, there's not an endless supply. But anytime I make, anytime I make a big killing, I'm happy. Say there's legions on legions on legions on legions, and people are, you know, one is already enough of a problem, oh, yeah. but yeah. imagine just like a bunch of legions them. of them. Yeah, I know. It's just <laughs> insane. Yeah, I've, I've got a couple of things coming up. I'm going to be doing the Fan Expo in Portland, Oregon. It's, uh, I'm going to be doing a couple of lectures at that. It's February 17th, 18th, and 19th. And I'll be doing the Oregon Ghost Conference, which is the last weekend in March. I'll be lecturing and giving classes there. So if you guys are on the West Coast, come on down. Is there uh, information for those on your website or off your Instagram or anything? No, I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to put it up there. I was waiting for the the gentleman that runs the Fan Expo to give me some give me a flyer or something to put up there. I have one for the Oregon Ghost Conference. I have to put it up. 
but I will so, uh, there. I was going to say for anybody that's uh, enjoyed this conversation and wants to be able to get updates on, you know, events that you're doing in the future or be able to contact you or, you know, just just keep up on your work. Uh, where might they be able to come and find you uh, throughout the Internet, um, I guess? I have a website called demonsseer.com. They could go there and if they need have an issue or I do a lot of intuitive readings as well, they can connect with me there or I'm on Facebook under June Lundgren or Demonsseer. And Twitter, and, I, uh, Twitter really? and Instagram. <laughs> and, uh, of course, I will add all of your links down in the description below. So if anybody wants to come and find them, it's just one easy click away. So don't hesitate. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I really appreciate you making the time to uh, come on the show and have this conversation with me. And uh, I'm really looking forward to uh, having some more interesting conversations with you in the future because you're a plethora of knowledge and uh, you're a very easy person to talk to and you have a lot to say and I'm very fascinated with everything that you've shared with us today. Yeah, you know, it's hard to believe I was voted quietest and shyest in my high school graduating class. (laughs) It's kind of funny how, uh, you know, the people who are the quietest are the ones that have the most to say and, you know, most people listening to my show would never guess it, but in my normal work life, home life, whatever you want to call it. You know, I'm, I'm the quietest guy in the room, but then I come on my show and it's a whole different story. So I'm sure it's the same with you. You know, yeah. you quiet in, in certain aspects, but then when you need to be boisterous, I'm sure you're, you're the one that everybody goes to, you know, cause you have extensive knowledge on a lot of things. So yeah. <laughs> if anyone would like to be a guest on the show, if anybody would like to sponsor the show, if there's a topic or a guest that you would love to see on the show or you feel you can contribute anything to the show at all, I definitely want to hear from you. Uh, you can email me at inquiriesofourrealitypodcast.outlook.com. Uh, you can also shoot me a message on Instagram. I am the most active on there. Um, and you can also go to the uh, link tree up at the top. There's a submission form, and that'll go directly to my email. And uh, you know, you, shoot, I, you can do it that way, and I can shoot you an email back. But uh, I always say, look in your spam and junk folder, because for whatever reason, a lot of my stuff tends to go that way. And if at any point, any of you guys have emailed me and haven't gotten a response, I've responded to all of them. So double check your junk folder. And if you haven't heard a response from me, uh, please shoot me another email. And I guarantee you 100% I will respond to it. And uh, if I don't hear back from you within a week, then I will message you back just to make sure that you got the email. But uh, that said, uh, go and check out the link tree if you want to go and find anything that I've referenced. Uh, that link tree is L-A-N-K-T-R period E-E slash increase of our reality podcast. And with that, I hope you enjoyed the show and I'll catch you on the next one. Have a good night, everybody. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.